0: Thanks for joining us again for another episode. We go to Where's Craven Town? Uh, more of a obscure, would you say?
1: Obscure Craven? Mm. Or sort of middling Craven? Mi- well, huh. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say obscure, but it's definitely not one of his upper echelon in the, in the filmography. I no. Think. And it's following along
0: with one we did a little bit earlier about our Freddy Krueger rip-offs. Uh, when we did Brain Scan. So this is Shocker from 89, and, the, you know, I think it's pretty obvious when you've seen Shocker as to what the possible Freddy Krueger links are, mm. but it's uh, it's one of Craven's, yeah, I think more middling films. Yeah. People are aware of it, but it's not one that comes up as his top top echelon sort of stuff.
1: Not often, no.
0: Not ever. (laughs) (laughs) Let's not fucking, let's not beat around the bush on this. Okay. All right, okay, so we'll dive straight into it. No, No extras. Here's the trailer for 1989's Shocker.
2: today to bear witness to the execution of Horace Pinker, whose unspeakable atrocities have horrified the people of this great state. He stands convicted of 52 counts of aggravated assault, 23 counts of armed robbery, and 37 counts of murder in the
1: first degree. Prisoner, have any final words? Yeah. Yeah.
2: No more Mr. Nice Guy. I don't think he's dead. Christ. He's among you. Now, Ah! Wes Craven brings you his greatest creation. No more! Shocker.
0: from 1989, written and directed by Wes Craven, who of course gave us Freddy Krueger and A Nightmare on Elm Street, and produced by Baron Kumar, who did a film called To Die For, and Marianne Madalena, who I believe produced quite a few of Craven's films, including Scream. I think she may have been involved in Scream. It stars Mitch Pileggi as Horace Pinker, Peter Berg as Jonathan Parker, Cammie Cooper as Alison, and Michael Murphy as Lieutenant Don Parker. The budget was five million dollars, and the box office was sixteen point five million worldwide, which you pointed out in '89 trumped two of the, the three big horror icons: mm. Michael Michael Myers, Halloween Five, <laughs> no surprise there. Yep, and Jason Takes Manhattan, correct? So also, no surprise. Nightmare on Elm Street Five earned more. Not much more, though. I think no, not a lot. They made like twenty five or something. Yeah. Like that. Uh, When shooting the scene where Jonathan wades into the lake, Peter Berg suffered from hypothermia due to the extreme cold temperatures. Okay. (laughs) I think, look, (laughs) I'm not going that far.
1: But, yeah, obviously the blake was keen. Let's just line up the schedules, though. Let's shoot it in the warmer months, perhaps, or something like that. I don't know. (laughs)
0: All
1: right. What is your take on Shocker? How long has it been since you've seen Shocker? Probably... 12, 13 years? 12, 13 years. Long okay. time. Yeah, Long mine's time. longer than that. The first time we watched it, I thought it was just a pile of trash. I think I might have watched it with you. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, pile of trash. Maybe I didn't. Maybe I didn't, maybe <laughs> that I didn't makes it sense. Um, But I enjoyed it a lot more this time around. <laughs> yeah. It's not great. It has a lot of faults. But you can s- kind of see why it still resonates with some people. It's got some pretty solid ideas. It's It looks great at certain points. Like the film looks great. I think Wes Craven has directed it pretty well again and and there are some really good sequences. Unfortunately, it's just, it's there's so much crammed in there. There's just, it's just like bloated and overlong and it changes tone constantly. Like it just, it's continuing to shift tone and you get these scenes where you're bursting out laughing. And then you'll get a really creepy, kind of a, a creepy scene that's really well shot and looks fantastic. Straight after it, you just you're sitting there wondering what was going on. But I reckon it's—I uh, gave it a two and a half this time round. It was—I was consistently entertained. Mm. But yeah, there was there was points where you're just sitting back thinking, what's going on? <laughs> yeah, what was Wes doing? Or well, what was he taking at that time?
0: <laughs> yeah. What what was his face buried in, in, in a pile of something? What? Look, for me, I like you thought it was a pile of crap, and it's probably been about twenty years since I saw it. Probably longer, maybe twenty five. I think I saw it in the ninety, and I don't think I ever went back and watched it again. If I did, I certainly didn't remember it. It's a pretty poor first hour. Because, as you say, there are so many ideas crammed in there. It doesn't really know what what it's trying to ex- achieve. It doesn't explain the rules about Pinker. Mm. So he just kind of does all sorts of shit at, on a whim with very yeah. little sort of understanding and rules around what he can do. Yeah. There are a couple of interesting scenes in that hour and a couple of moments that I felt they could have expanded on. But an hour in, I'm thinking, Jesus, you know. Where are we? But the film really upticks. Yeah. In the last 45 minutes, it actually really comes home with a flourish, solidifies some ideas Yep. and delivers on that stuff.
1: Yeah, and possibly clarifies what, you know, Craven obviously likes to have particular messages in his films, sort of clarifies some of that. You can see some of the messages coming through towards the end that were a bit muddled earlier.
0: Yeah, and... Because of that, the film leaps, goes up in leaps and bounds for me. At the end of the day, I gave it two and a half because it kind of splits the line. But ultimately, the last 45 minutes is where the film kind of shines. And, you know, it's funny, we were having a bit of a look at whether there was talk about a remake, and there was some talk about a remake. Yes. In the mid- in 2014, 2015. Allegedly, Peter Berg was all
1: over. It. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we, we saw with our own eyes Mitch Pelleggi in an interview yeah, saying he was well on board for it. And I could see this being very ripe Yeah, for absolutely. a remake.
0: I think if you streamlined and just focused more what the reasoning behind Pinker's stuff was, because I think there's a little bit, if I'm going to compare this to something like Brain Scan, this is more
1: of a Freddy rip-off than Brain Scan. Yeah, definitely. This
0: is very Freddy-centric, especially in that first hour.
1: Because there's other parts of the movie that resemble it. Yeah. As we were talking about, like with Brain Scan, it was kind of the performance of the trickster and the mannerisms that were Freddy-esque. Yeah. Whereas this one, sequences, yep. the look of the film, um, things that the character does and says, like obviously Wes Craven's involvement, it's more of a, yeah, it's more of a, a Freddy sort of rip off. But
0: for the most part the film is entertaining, and that last 45 minutes is strong. That's, that's where the film kind of shines a lot, and I think Craven kind
1: of finds his groove there.
0: Yeah. And the film starts to work. Yeah. Whereas it's, had he, have, had he have been smarter about his front end.
1: Yeah. I think he chipped away at the pile and had none left. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> towards yeah. the back end. He was, the- fucking, he was right off his gourd <laughs> by that stage,
0: but, but it opened his mind. <laughs> so two yeah. and a half for me. Okay. From from uh, opening likes perspective, soundtrack of cock rock <laughs> staples. I mean, it was the dying breath of cock rock. It was eighty nine, but yeah. you know it had Anthrax in it or Megadeth. Megadeth. It had,
1: what was that? What was that crew of you know, sort yeah, sort of dudes of wrath? Dudes of wrath, a group Which of included sort of Paul Stanley, Tommy Lee, Desmond Child, Tommy Lee. Yeah, yeah so it's a bit of a supergroup. Yeah, and, who, and course, who only joined up for shocker. <laughs>
0: Alice Cooper, I believe, was involved. Yep. But it had, yeah, you know, the opening song Shocker is, is solid. It kind of sets the scene of what you're after. Yeah. And, I, you know, I really enjoyed No More Mr. Nice Guy.
1: Yeah, same. It big works. tick for the music. Yeah, big tick. Big tick for
0: the music. <laughs> I got a good laugh when Jonathan's talking smack on the football field then runs fucking head first and does <laughs> The pole.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I shouldn't laugh at that kind of shit, but uh, look to me. There's always time for slapstick. There's <laughs> always room for it. I mean, if he'd
0: have farted <laughs> when he was on the ground, yeah, ah, add an extra half <laughs> star. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Uh, Johnny Tesh.
1: John Tesh. Always good to see Johnny Tesh. I always think of... Yeah, yeah, a bit of round ball rock. (laughs) That was all that was missing from John.
0: (laughs) He's always... um, It's always cool to kind of see that. It's kind of like when they use Lisa
1: Gibbons in Robocop. Yeah. He suits this television newsman, the the, the roles for that, especially, like, he's just got that kind of... um, Dramatic quality when yeah. he's talking about some of the some of the things that he's talking about. I mean, he has a few laughable moments yeah. in this, and he he does come in for some of the negatives for me. Yeah, but he is he does have a sort of an actorish vibe and look yes. to him and his delivery. So the giant chin. This, yeah, he certainly fits in these television newsman kind of roles in film.
0: Yeah,
1: Allison's death actually
0: is a gut punch. Like it actually works because they show the sort of. Her getting attacked yep. and kind of fighting for a few seconds. You see him fighting with Pinker. Yeah. Then they cut to the actual aftermath, which is pretty, pretty bloody, mm. pretty gross. And Peter Berg's reaction is quite emotional, you know? Yeah. So that whole sequence works, and I think it's a kind of a gut punch. I have a dislike as to where I would have placed it looking back. Yeah. yeah, and trying to streamline
1: think, the film at the top end. Yeah, I think we'll we'll chat about that as we get to it. I had a dislike to it that was kind of just before, but the sequence itself was yeah. I think it worked really well, as you said. It served a bit of a gut punch there and kind of ramped up the involvement for for Peter Berg. I mean, he was already heavily involved. The stakes yeah. were already there, and 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 he was wrapped up in the story. But it just it just kicked it up a notch.
0: Yeah, and I think the actress uh, Cammy Cooper. Quite a likable presence. Yeah, it probably would have been. I I feel well. Have, you you liked her presence on on screen. She was a likable <laughs> presence. So that's as far as I'm going to go. <laughs> I would I would have liked to have seen more of her and Peter Berg because I think they worked well together.
1: Yeah, you made that pretty clear. You would like <laughs> oh, to see mate, more of it. Come on, sure. <laughs> get serious.
0: Because <laughs> I thought that that relationship was pretty well handled. Yeah, even though it didn't they didn't have a lot of scenes. Yes. And I felt that was probably to a detriment. Yeah, standpoint. I think
1: it, it, it um, goes to kind of a, a more general. Like, is I think the the acting all round is pretty good. Obviously, Mitch Pelaghi and Peter Peter Berg have both yeah. had very solid careers. Yep. as you said, Cami Cooper was was quite good in the role. Uh, Peter Berg's dad was fairly solid. Well, fuck, have I, have, you, I of, have a couple of blow-ups that we noted.
0: <laughs> I'll get to you later. Yep, yep. But overall, I think the key key players are all fine, yeah. in what they, they deliver. Yep. There, there has to be a sort of a cocky edge to Jonathan Parker to start with, which Berg handles well, and then you have to see him kind of break down a little, and he does that. He does that well. Mm. As I said, I would like to have seen him and, you know, Jonathan and Alison together a little more yeah, just to build that. And I kind of dug the little relationship that they had briefly between Rhino and, and Jonathan. Yeah. Because they kind of kept Rhino around, and he was handy. I, I kind of liked that. That little sort of back and forth between them, it kind of works. So yeah, acting-wise, I think there's there's absolutely no problems at all. Yeah, uh, and, and Pelegi is is quite handy as a as a killer. He's big. He's fairly intimidating. Yep. He's got all the right sort of moves about him, and solid actor. Mm. So, yeah, that worked out well. I I really liked the bit where he told Jonathan about how his girlfriend died hard. You know, she fought when they finally arrest him. Yeah. It's a real kind of nasty, cold thing to say. Yeah. It kind of fits the character really well. Exactly. And then he, kind
1: mean, of, he laughs at him after he says it, you know. It's yeah, like, and we'll, we'll talk about the tone, about how it shifted and how sometimes Pinker was, was delivering Freddy-like lines and then sometimes he was doing stuff like that, yeah. which overall didn't really work. But when you look at those moments in isolation, yeah, delivered pretty well. Yeah, and as you said, kind of two good actors that can that can handle the moment. Yeah, I mean, Mitch Pelegi even kind of mentioned that in the in the uh, the interview we, mm. we watched on the on the Blu-ray when he says, you know, as the film kind of went along, Wes sort of developed this sense that I, I was a fairly decent actor, mm. so he gave me more of that stuff. Yeah. Whereas initially. He was just there, going bananas. You know, he was like yeah. just allowed to go bonkers and off the wall. So you can see how that how that kind of finishes up on screen. Yeah, and it, kind of- it,
0: it works for the character. But I agree with what you're saying. We'll probably get into some things about tone and his the character itself being a little bit, perhaps a little underwritten. Mm. Probably wasn't a lot there. And in fact, it's probably the the, the quality of the actors that makes it. Makes it come alive a little bit more than it probably should, could have if you had lesser actors involved. Yeah. So it's a big wrap for the actors because I think they do a pretty good job with some pretty pretty poor dialogue at times, you know. They yeah, kind of make it work a, a little bit. a couple
1: of sequences that are very on the nose in terms of the dialogue. Uh, I, I actually really liked um, Pinker's body kind of spontaneously combusting. I didn't
0: quite know what had happened. No, it makes, it
1: makes no sense, but looks pretty good. Yeah, it looks good.
0: His fucking body just disappears <laughs> from the electric chair. Yeah. And then
1: just falls out from behind a door,
0: randomly. Yeah, yeah. But I really like the look of
1: the, the shot where they show it kind of like. Oh, well, I mean, looking beyond fire. the movie, there's probably a process they have to go through here. I mean, there's probably got to be someone to check the body and then they've got to take the body somewhere. I mean, those people are turning up guard. What the fuck happened here? I'll like, tell you what, what I love, funny. though. He
0: gets electrocuted, then suddenly he goes and uh, comes back alive. And they grab the doctor and go, "Get in there and check yeah, him out." Check him out. What for? He's <laughs> alive. What? What do you can, reckon?
1: We can see he's still kicking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's he leaves the bloke alone. He's, he's leering at us and dribbling. I think things are still functioning. I'm just going roll on three, roll on three, <laughs> <laughs> go again. Yeah, <laughs> Give him
0: yeah. another man a job.
1: Yep, absolutely.
0: <laughs> man, you had differing opinions on this.
1: Yeah.
0: But I kind of felt the leaping into bodies was... was <laughs> <laughs>
1: Jesus. <laughs> it had interesting possibilities. Just, just try to listen to yourself here. Just listen to yourself. To I can't you wait say. to re- edit this and listen back to what I'm trying to say here. But it had interesting oh, possibilities shit. for me. Yeah. I think in the end... Not for you. It actually- <laughs> no, not for me. No actually, um look, I came around to it a little bit when it was going on. I mean in in the the shift in tone, that's one of the that's one of the real drastic ones. Like we go from we're electrocuting this bloke to he can suddenly leap bodies. Yeah. With not much explanation other than him seeming to do a fucking ritual with the TV or something. But there was no... Jesus Christ, we'll get into that. But when it happens, like, the sequence after that where he begins leaping bodies is fucking super entertaining. Like, sometimes for the wrong reasons, but... The, the the minutes preceding that that body leaping stuff is actually pretty good yeah and we get that sequence where the cop is you know chasing after him and I mean I was I was laughing my head off when he it, it just goes fucking bonkers for a minute and we get the cop shelling out you know shut your fucking face shithead fucking firing <laughs> at him and dragging the leg after him and then leaping into the little girl yeah. and leaping it like that stuff was was exciting and fun, as silly as it not was. Not always,
0: not always super successful in no. the in the in the wash up, but but never
1: boring through. No, that stretch, like. and
0: kind of gave a little bit
1: of a touch to it. But I will get to something that I didn't like. Yeah, and yeah. I think I think uh, I mean you said that, and I said you're a fucking you're <laughs> an idiot. What are you talking about? But then it actually did provide a bit of a bit of entertainment and a bit of humour in there. Again, I still have issues about where it fit in the whole tone of the fucking movie. Yeah. But, hey, I enjoyed it for what it was, yeah. for, for the short stretch that it was in there.
0: The, so this is another one that probably falls into tone, but the sequence where he goes into the bathroom and speaks with uh, Alison again after she's mm. died, and yep. she's covered in blood, and she comes, up at, she comes out of the tub and, and steps towards him in the bathroom, and it's shot in this real sort of lowered light, and it's kind of creepy. It and is, it, and it looks great. Yeah, it looks gold. And the whole thing of her saying, hold me, I'm cold, and all this sort of stuff, it was a really well done scene. But once again, in the, in the context of where we were in that first hour, yeah, it kind of felt like, what uh, what's happening? Well, yes. why are, where are we? Because the, t- the, sh- the, the, the sequences immediately preceding and after were probably a totally different tone. Yeah,
1: and the same goes with the coach. The yeah. similar sequence with the coach, I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah. Like Even with the sort of crazy elements, the coach's performance in there is really kind of creepy and intense. And, yeah. and straight away we go to, to fucking Allison turning up again and zapping Pinker's fucking, I don't know what to call it, yeah. his ghostly kind of yeah.
0: Apparition bizarre,
1: Um which is kind of silly. But and, and again, as you said, the the this, before that and after that, we're going to these crazy lengths. But that sequence in there was was awesome,
0: and that sequence kind of because I had a slight ne- not negative, but I had some questions I was asking, which will be in my dislikes. But that kind of clarifies a little bit of the love conquers hate type of idea, which I'm assuming was what the whole thing was because of the, the pendant and and Allison was a ghostly figure who who came and came to him and. Could sort of banish Pinker and all well, this sort
1: of stuff. I mean, that's one message that was there. Then it goes to another direction to do with the TVs and yeah, the, yeah. the violence on TV and and um, this is the strange push and pull. Of the, the shifts show. were all over the place. Yeah, so yeah, uh, I can see where still, you still
0: that, that that sequence is quite effective. Yeah, I thought it was good. Coach. I thought it was actually really well handled. Mm. This is where things really go start to move for me. When he gets sent out across the satellite. Yes. It was a cool idea to then send him into, into everyone's lounge room and his ability to then move through the televisions and everything.
1: Yeah. Great and
0: idea, different.
1: And it actually had one of the lines that actually worked because there was a few lines in there that were sort of just Freddyish, whereas this one kind of, it, when, he's, when he's getting zapped by the satellite, God, that sounds ridiculous. But when he's getting through the satellite, he says something like, you know, now I'm going nationwide yeah. or something like that. And that was one of the few where it was kind of like, yeah, that, that one actually, that one landed and wasn't too mm. too hammy and too over the top. Yeah, agreed. But, yeah, I think that, that um, idea was where, as you said, it kind of ramped up after that.
0: Yeah. Again, I really liked this another dream sequence where he's in the lake and Allison comes to him again and all the dead friends are there. Mm. And he's sort of saying he wants to stay. Yep. He doesn't want to go back. He doesn't want to have to deal with this. And they sort of tell him, you have to go back, you know, we need you. It was really qual- it was really good stuff, really well acted. Again, creepy the way it was shot. They all, all of Dead Friends look kind of zombified almost, the way they're kind of moving. It was it was really well done. And this was, again, a, a, you know, it's a quality of Craven's skills as a director he's always been able to sort of create a lot of those sort of shot, you know, sequences that are quite creepy and, and well shot. Mm. And he does that again here. Was
1: there many of them in uh, My Soul to Take? Or? There were none in <laughs> My Soul to Take.
0: I, I, think- I mean, I don't, look, I cannot talk about Circuit of the Rainbow. I wonder if the scrotum nailing scene <laughs> is as
1: creepy as this. <laughs> um, but it's I, You say that and I think, She's, why haven't I seen that? Movie? Yeah, I know, I, know. <laughs> I, hear, I
0: I. That comes out of my mouth and I think I need to hire them. <laughs> <laughs> um.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Like we mentioned a couple of times, like the, the direction and look of the film is not an issue. And you see, we talk about the tone and the, and the, the writing and stuff, which is a bit all over the place. But as you said, the, the fact that he, was, he managed to get a few sequences where straight on the back of something you're saying, Jesus, that's ridiculous, mm. it, that still winds you in and you think, fuck, that was good. Mm. Like it, it tells you, as you said, that the guy had an immense amount of talent and so many good ideas and, and, and creative ways to shoot them you, that you, you still, he still wraps you up. Yeah.
0: And the big finale, which I think is where the film really does take off, and I could have seen a sequel is just fighting him and Jonathan, fighting their way through the TV stations and the channels. And the and, channels, yeah. And, you know, the whole idea of using the remote to kind of interact and stop him. Yep. Really good ideas, kind of pretty well executed. I mean, I know they talk about the special effects and, you know, a few a few of the actors and that involved have said, you know, the special effects were not up to par because of the time period. But I think even then the the scenes in the
1: TV are actually executed pretty well yeah for the time yeah. they, they look fine they they don't you know they don't stand up as against something that you could do today for that sort of thing, but when you take into account the time frame that they did it in it it looks pretty good yeah, and by extension again like the the practical effects throughout there's there's minimal effects, but they're all pretty good I yeah. thought but yeah that that whole sequence through. Fighting through the channels, I thought was, was good fun. Yeah. And you could see that's where you could really mine some creative stuff for sequels if that's where they were going to go.
0: But that's where the film found strong ground. Yeah. So that to me says that
1: was the idea. Yeah.
0: That well, you were not it was- all the rest of it that they'd had sort of front loaded.
1: Yeah. That's the idea that worked. Well, it's sort of focused. It yeah. focused on that and it found, you know, as we said, the tone jumps around, but here's where it said this is what it is. A couple of little asides before here, they actually go into the TV, get you off track again. But when they go in there and start leaping through the channels and stuff, you think, okay, well, they're focused on this, and that's where it kind of works. It's yeah. fun. It's it's over the top, but it's entertaining as hell when they start doing that. Yeah. I didn't have any other likes. I did. I had a couple. Go for it. I can't believe you didn't mention the, the big fly kick and the blue oh, that on yeah. the rooftop. <laughs> yeah. I mean Woo! Horace Pink is trying to get through Christ. the door and then gets a, 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 a double foot kick right in the back. Right in the back. Oh. And then you know they start to start to get in a bit of a back and forth there. I thought that was worth a mention. I mean I don't know if that was a stunt man or not, but fuck he took it pretty <laughs> <laughs> Yeah that was oh. I thought that was pretty good. We sort of mentioned it in other things, but I actually think the, the direction and the cinematography, the way that the film ended up looking for most of it, deserve a, a, a mention as well because yeah. I think throughout it looked fantastic. It never looked like it was um, lacking money. It, didn't, it never looked cheap. It looked like the people behind the scenes knew what they were doing Yeah, um, and had a, had a vision for how they wanted it to look. Yeah, I don't think there was too many issues there. No, not at all. In fact, you wouldn't have known it was five mil.
0: Like, it looked a much more high-quality piece of work. Yeah, looked pretty Uh, sharp. Yeah, like, once again, it proves that someone like Craven was so handy working with the constraints of a small budget. Yeah. Um, You know, he was good at that. That was something he did well. So not at at all am am I disappointed in the way the film looked. I think he did a fantastic job of that, Mm. a fantastic job.
1: All right. Before we get too, um, you yeah, before we praise the film too much, now, let's get into the dislikes. <laughs> into the, dislikes. <laughs> I,
0: the name Horace Pinker didn't really work for me. It, uh, maybe it's because I'm, you know, you conditioned us that Wes Craven created Freddy Krueger, and Freddy Krueger's a really cool, kind of villainous name. Horace Pinker just doesn't quite work no. for me. No. And. It kind of almost flies in the face of his intimidation, like his intimidating presence. It's yeah, such a strange some, I,
1: name. Yeah. Yeah, Freddy Krueger, uh, it kind of stands out. Like it's 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 a name that's not necessarily very common. No. So, yeah, it, it sort of stands out, whereas Boris Pinker, I agree, it stands out for the wrong reasons. It's kind of- Sounds a little funny. Yeah, yeah. When you definitely. say it. Yep.
0: And I think, and and, you know, I I was very happy with Mr. Pelleggi as as Pinker. I thought he was absolutely fine. But the character's pretty one-note. A big, intimidating guy, does a bit of swearing, does a bit of threatening. Yep. Not really a lot to it. Uh, And that's not Pelleggi's fault. That's the fact that the character, and it may have stemmed from what you said and he said on the the Blu-ray commentary thing, it may have stemmed from the fact that Craven just wanted him to go bonkers to start with and then tried to kind of insert some things in there Yeah. once he realised
1: he could handle it yep. and it doesn't always work, doesn't always do yeah, it. goes as you said, he has those moments where you kind of you get a shiver down the spine and you think, oh, it's just, just despicable. And then other times he's sitting next to a PowerPoint going, I think I can, I think yeah. I can. <laughs> like, yeah. oh, okay. Whoa. And building on that, the whole attempt to create a new Freddy is just really to the movie's detriment because it tries to copy it so much. Yeah. But, it it, I mean, it copies a lot of elements from Elm Street but then gets a couple of points really off Yeah, that make it really clear, you know, if you're going to do a Freddy clone, then we'll kind of accept that and we'll sort of run with it and we'll say maybe it's not as good as Freddy was going to be but it might stand up next to the Jasons and the Michaels or whatever, whereas this one, yeah, we see it's a clone, we accept that, but then it's like it's almost too close and then whiffs on the big ticket things. Yeah. So it just, yeah, it just misses very And everybody. I think,
0: you know, segwaying from that into the film's probably biggest issue is quite twofold. There is way too many ideas crammed in. Yeah. So you've got the idea of dreaming. The yeah. connection between Pinker and Jonathan. You've got the electricity. You've got the reckon, body hopping. Body hopping. You've got
1: some sort of witchcraft. When <laughs>
0: I mean, in an Frequently, effort to
1: kind of explain it, I you've think got, you've got you then have the bloody f- familial connection that comes in. Yeah,
0: like, like it's, it's it's overstuffed. Yeah, you didn't need the dream stuff, which would then have done away with the Freddie connection. Yep. Because to me, why, couldn't it have been something like Jonathan sees. Pinker's van outside his last. Like, he walks past with his girlfriend earlier, and that, you know, during the. While the massacre's happening inside. Yeah. Sees the van. Sees the next day that there's been a murder. Says, oh, shit, I walked past there. There's said Pinker's. Pinker's bloody TV repair. Yeah. And then we're from there. But it was the a dream, dream sequence.
1: Stuff, the dream stuff is is just silly. And. I mean. I read a comment on. on uh, I think it was bloody disgusting when they talked about this a couple, oh, maybe last year or something due mm-hmm. for an anniversary of some sort. Yeah. And they made a really good point in that if they had have explained all of this stuff, yeah. it, it still wouldn't have been a better film. Yeah. Like if you go in to try and explain all this stuff that they had in there. So I, I'm with you. I think the way that you, you you could have improved that is to trim some of it. And for me, the dream elements, you trim that. Yep. You just don't need it. And it, it it raises so many questions. It's not a movie that, that that wants to answer those questions. Yeah. But you have so many. Like you said, you're sitting there going, at one point, you're like, he's dreaming in the future. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, that's right. And I'm kind of sitting there going, and so if he's dreaming and Horace Pinker seemingly doesn't have these Freddy-type powers, why does he need to wake up when he does? Why can't he just see the dream through and then wake up and go, like, there's all these questions that stem out of it. Yeah, that aren't answered. That aren't answered and, and are just silly. And, and then I we think move you... on and that dream stuff just falls by the wayside.
0: Yeah, he has dreams, but they don't involve Horace Pinker. They involve Alison. Yeah. So, again, that's the, I think that's the idea of tying back to the whole, as I said, love versus hate or whatever you want to call it, because she's she's the person that he loves and yeah. Pinker's this evil character and she can sort of combat it. He starts to have the dream. Ditch the dreams.
1: Yeah. Ditch, ditch the them. dreams entirely. I would keep the dreams of her. Yeah. Because they worked, even in context, after all that stuff had gone. I, I mean, I don't know whether that still works if you haven't established that he's having fucking premonitions or whatever he was having. No, nah, but dreams. it does. And but I think it a, still does, yeah. Because
0: it's about establishing their relationship, even after she's gone. Yeah. You know, you're still seeing how cut up he is, how, how you know desperate he is to, to get back at this bloke or whatever. So you could have worked them, th- with that. Yeah, I think so. The, the problem that also stems out of is there are no rules for Pinker's behaviour. No. In all facets, yeah. whether he's a serial killer in real life, yeah. a, some sort of electricity monster or a body swapping, <laughs> <laughs> a, a body swapping ex-heart. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, oh, shit.
0: No one knows to how to explain any of this. I mean, and it seems like they kind of shoehorned that witchcraft
1: bullshit. Did in somebody there. say it in Wes Craven? Can you pitch this to me in one sentence? Because it'd be a fucking long sentence. It <laughs> it'd be made, incoherent. It, it
0: would have needed to be a fucking 40-page treatment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Just to, just to understand what, what they were trying to achieve. Yeah, I just think it shifts so often and... Going back to the kind of Freddie comparison, this kind of fits in with what you're saying, and I think it's it's one of the big things where they missed with the Freddie trying to recreate Freddie again mm. They had Horace Pinker for so long before he becomes any sort of supernatural entity yeah. and as we said, if you go on that way, I mean, it was forty minutes before he got executed, mm. and that proceeding that, that 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 forty minutes beforehand is when. All that stuff's going on—the dreams and all this this craziness—and it just doesn't work. Yeah, just Pinker as the serial killer has its moments, a couple of brief moments, as you said, where he's kind of creepy and whatnot. But it takes so long, and then when he gets executed, it's almost like a second sort of inciting incident. It's 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 like the first act goes forever, and it's got like two starts almost—the start where his family gets killed, and then, then his girlfriend follows on after that, but then it's almost another start when he gets electrocuted. Yeah. It's And really my thinking
0: weird. is that would have also fixed the the film is too long.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's,
0: 40, it's, it's an hour 45. It could have been a tight 90 minutes. You could have trimmed 15, and you would Easy. have trimmed it from that start.
1: Yeah. And but I know we fact, always talk about that 90 minutes is the magic number, but this is, this is one that really needed it. Yeah. And, I mean, look, I'm going to give you a rewrite. <laughs>
0: Okay? Okay. I've been thinking about this ever since we were watching. Right. Give it to me. Right. Pinker is arrested within the first 20 minutes or 15 minutes. We don't need ten. To have- Give me 10. I don't need 15. <laughs> okay. We we start the film with a little bit of information about the serial killers out there. Yep. Then we've we we've got to establish the relationship between him and Jonathan and Alison and because we need that. Yep. Then we have them go past and see Even Pinker's in van. Even in 40 minutes,
1: they rush that part.
0: Yeah. yeah. So you have them go past Pinker's van at the site of one of his crimes. The next day, we find out there was people murdered there. Jonathan drops that name to his dad. They arrest Pinker. As they're going to execute him, Jonathan's there. Pinker basically tells him, you know, we're not done. Yeah. He gets electrocuted. There's a power surge or something. And he's suddenly in the electricity. No,
1: no, we can't cut out, you know, rituals with the TV and things like okay. that. Okay, we'll put lead
0: And then we go into what we got in that yeah. last 45.
1: Yeah. We're on fucking easy street. Yeah, I think so. I think that's where it... I mean, do we still have a little bit of body hopping in there somewhere? Or... We throw <laughs> a smidgen
0: of body hopping in and we kill his girlfriend after Pinker has been executed. And you know why? Because it,
1: we then realise I can still get at you. Yeah. And I think it, like, I don't have too many issues about when the surprise element of when the girlfriend was, was killed. But then also, I think if it comes after that, it still heightens things mm. because you would be expecting that relationship to carry through. Yes. So, and you could spend a few
0: minutes after his or, you know, 10 minutes or so, building that relationship further, like it's, you know, going to continue. And then you, you pull the rug out. Yeah. Yep, and then you're into the the, the TV running, the electricity situation, the smidgen of body hopping.
1: Well, the TV and the electricity kind of shares something with Freddy, whereas something that in modern day you can't really escape. Yeah, I mean you can go and live in a fucking log cabin like Grizzly Adams and live an electricity-free life and be pinker-free, I suppose. But it shares that sort of thing. The the, the great thing about Freddy was that you could never escape it. Yeah. Like, you couldn't not fall asleep. Eventually, you were going to have to fall asleep. I think another big error with Pinker is that they didn't really define the boundaries of that, whereas Freddie, it's totally clear. You, you're asleep, he can get you. If you're asleep and dreaming, he can get you. If you're not, you're okay. Yeah. But eventually, you're going to have to go there. Yeah. So I think, I don't know, maybe that tidies up some of those boundaries too. I think it does. I think having him as kind of like this electricity
0: you know that's his you now new form of supernatural entity. Yeah, makes him very difficult to get away from. Yep, and still a capable and intimidating presence, still available to you. And you can then throw in a lot more interesting kills using electricity and stuff like that. Yeah. So I appreciate that they tried to kind of give it some more juice, a few more different things. Mm-hmm. But the fact is that made it more Freddy-ish. Yeah. And once you've got more Freddy, you kind of look like a cut-rate Freddy clone, which yeah. is what Pinker ends up unfortunately looking like. Yep. Uh, Lieutenant Parker, whoo, he is over <laughs> the top. He, he's the one actor who just, <laughs> he is just off the leash. Occasionally, Occasionally, he's up and down. All he's up the time.
1: and down. No, no. Look, I thought he was pretty well measured, and then he'd just have these occasional yes. blow-ups. <laughs> yeah, fly off the handle for ten seconds or so. Yeah, he's not ham, mate. He's the entire pig. <laughs> oh, yeah. He was just in fine touch. Look, I think that's a little bit harsh on the man. I think he was there was definitely there was definitely servings of ham, but um, not all the way. Yeah. But, yeah, he was pretty funny. I, I did get a few laughs about when he'd fire up. I mean, even in the, the more serious scenes, he does it. <laughs> Yeah. He sort of loses the plot a couple the of times. Where, in, yeah, in the state. bit where he's arresting Jonathan. And then he gets zapped, and we, you know, we automatically assume that it's Pinker. But then he gives it a shit. What's going on here, or something like that? <laughs> so, so it kind of, yeah, tramples oh. all over the, the the sort of heartfelt kind of. Yeah. You, you can see that he's struggling with it, and then he starts yelling about getting zapped by the light. I thought that was pretty funny.
0: Who are the opening scenes. Oh, there's some really. Clumsy exposition involving
1: news. Oh, a big John time. Tesh, not even just the news, there's more, but yeah, Johnny Tesh. Go there's on, there's TV news with yep. Johnny Tesh, yep. there's fucking radio news, yeah, there's the coach advising the- us that Peter Berg grew up on the wrong side of the track, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's this uh, exposition heavy him and him and Alison talking about their relationship. Like just. I mean, I kind of got that it.
0: one as because he'd had the concussion. It kind of worked a little bit. It wasn't as clumsy.
1: Yeah. But it still was just there to ex- give us some exposition. Yeah. Now, we said we really liked John Tesh. And I, I love did, John Tesh. But John Tesh is in the movie more than any newsman should ever be in a fucking yeah. movie.
0: It seems like Craven kind of wants to get to the the action
1: quickly yeah. by ex-
0: giving us an exposition dump, but it's well, just think, such a clumsy look, way I of doing think-
1: it. Isn't that an indication that perhaps we're trying to we're trying to cram too much story in here that we can't tell it in this time frame? <laughs> so we have to have John Tesh in the movie ten times, going "There's been another killing." <laughs> <not laughs> <know>. My
0: favourite <laughs> bit was he basically fucking. He pretty much sends Horace peeking to fucking Jonathan's house. <laughs> yeah, he's saying, "Oh, Jonathan, uh, star quarterback Jonathan Parker was at fucking display
1: address." <laughs> and, like, quite frankly, it was laughable. Mate, this yeah, exposition not in news was yeah. was uh, the the big channel A-N-N. at this particular. CNN <laughs> was the big channel at this particular in this particular town. Oh, it was bloody so ludicrous. The only channel that was on, I think. And and again, there's uh, the description. There's a news report before John Tesh. It might be the radio one. Yeah. Where the description of Horace Pinker is fucking hilarious. Mm. It's so, it's exposition, but it's it's totally silly as well. Like, they they finish it up with, um, what do they say? He's extremely say, smart. Oh, he's so intelligent that he's managed to evade capture. And I'm just like. What? And then, <laughs> just after that, we get the dream that turns out to be a premonition, where we see that not only is he dragging his fucking footprint all through the crime scene, but that he is has a, a van with pinker electricity parked directly out the front. So, <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not too sure. I that mean, screams. was he
0: killing people in like <laughs> some sort of fucking street of blind people? there
1: he Surely someone's gone. Yeah, I saw a fucking ban across the road. Yeah, there was at a big the there was a name in huge letters. I mean, pinker's not even small and electricity in the big letters, it's it's pinker in uh, the big letters. Someone mis misfucking pronounced they said it was plinker. <laughs> yeah, you're looking for a Mr. Plinker. Yeah, it doesn't exactly scream super genius to me. <laughs> I mean the way that they describe him on the news yeah. it's like it's like we're dealing with the Riddler or something. <laughs> <laughs>
2: huh?
1: And then when they go and confront him, it's like Again, uh, I was laughing at that scene because we were talking about how there was too much focus on that. He's got fucking trapdoors yeah. in his bloody electrical shop and, yeah, a bit silly. Yeah, that, oh, that stuff got quite silly.
0: Not as silly as the scene in his cell where he seems to be using the fucking TV to summon the devil or some shit. Yeah. Got-
1: and the big thing, the, the, the big mouse oh, comes out of the TV and speaks to him. Oh, Wow. <laughs> <laughs> what were we doing there? Like, that's face down in a pile of coke for like a week. I think that's what happened. (laughs) Where's with Sydney, brother TV? With these guys hey, face down. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> oh, we've got to go to work. We're, 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 Ridley's like, mate, I've got forty six scripts for you here to read. I not got
0: time for your bullshit. <laughs>
1: Wes looks up, the TV's blaring, and a couple of big lips came out and started speaking to him, and he's thinking, "Fuck!" Beautiful. I mean, he rocks up on set, going, "I have got some new pages, <laughs> new pages, everyone. <laughs> we're shooting this today."
0: I, I just, I can't understand that sequence, and I'm, my, my thinking, although I, you know, I don't believe it's the case, but it just seems like it's kind of like been inserted to try and explain Pinker's next phase, yeah. which is into a, a sort of electricity monster.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I it's, mean, it, it was, yeah, it's a brief, as you said, it's a, it's a very quick thing that serves to try and explain it, but yeah. all it does is have us go, what was he fucking doing? <laughs> And it does Satan live in the TV. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, That was strange shit. After watching the movie, for certain points, I thought fucking Satan lived in the TV and and was after us. But, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, yeah. I I, I think that probably goes to the messages that sort of come later on. But, yeah, fucked if I could figure that out.
0: Well, I said that I thought the body swapping stuff had interesting possibilities. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, it didn't. yeah. It didn't really capitalise. It and there were some laughable shots of people hobbling, <laughs>
1: <all> <laughs> it was, hobbling yes. after him. It was. Yes. It was. pretty bad. <laughs> but look, I enjoyed it more than I thought I would. But it doesn't fit. It just. I mean, you described it as three separate movies. In, in some, <laughs> in some ways, it is because we go from having a serial killer, body swapping. Electrical monster, like, (laughs) it's just, it's a bit all over the top It's a lot to take
0: in. (laughs) It is a lot to take take in. in. It is. I'd never quite, and again, no, I kind of understood it, but it was really clumsy. The good versus evil, the love versus hate, the the heart pendant was important, Mm. but it just, for a while there, it just gave no real evidence of what that was. Yeah. Like, it just took, and again, this was in the early part of the film after her death, it just didn't quite, you know, like he throws the pendant away. Yeah. And I'm thinking, fucking, who cares about this? Why have we got to go get it?
1: Well, that's right. What seems to be the... the, And Peter Berg using it to get him out of the little girl. Yeah. But then he just kind of, his electricity just kind of manifests in the shape of fucking Horace Pinker on the spot, so what does it really matter if he's in or out of someone if he can do that? This is where the inconsistencies about what he can do. There was no real there was no real rules established about what he could and couldn't do. Yeah, it was a little bit um a little bit confusing. Yeah, say it was confusing.
0: Least. It sort of came it kind of focused a little in the end. And again, this is why I say the end is so the best part of it. because yeah. it does focus it
1: down. Yeah, I think it does. I think you also skipped over one of my favourite parts in the movie was the fucking insensitive reporter. That- <laughs> A man dealing with the murder of his family... Freshly <laughs> dealing with freshly it, mind dealing. you. He's
0: just fucking just walked out, out of there. Carver
1: just walks out and cops are, Lieutenant, now that the now that the killer's murdered your own family, have we got any leads on this? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he's gonna talk to you after that one, mate. I don't think that's oh, yeah. I don't think that's the way to, to yeah. approach the situation. Like
0: Yeah, yeah, a, Leave him alone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just
1: for a, just a little bit. Lieutenant, <laughs> here's my card. Can it's gonna yeah, talk to you tomorrow? <laughs> like, I don't know. That was yeah, that was that was quite funny. Oh. I
0: only had one other real Big dislike.
1: Did ya? Oh, shit, I've
0: still got You've a you got plenty? Old okay, list. okay, that's yeah. good. Cause cause again, we're starting to hit the point of the film where I really felt it it came good. Yeah, I'll backtrack a little bit, yeah. The
1: human share.
0: <laughs> it's fucking laughable.
1: Yeah, I mean Freddy's Freddie had the you know, the phone and yeah. and things like that, but the human the human the, the, the pinker recliner doesn't really work. No. Um and it looks they, ridiculous. They, they give us a Chekhov's fucking chair when he <laughs> yeah, comes home yeah, from
0: training yeah. and sits down in a bloody <laughs> ass blaster three thousand fucking <laughs> I mean, <he's> like <laughs>
1: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking. Oh shit! That'll come back. Wait yeah. Later. Yeah. That'll come back somewhere. Um. I so- think it's. Uh, it. It could have. It could have passed off like if it was very brief. Mm. But I mean, the chair grows eyes. <laughs> 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 At one point. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that, that once the, once the chair had eyes, I was out. Uh
0: yeah, and then Pika kind of manifested. It looked like he's taken in from behind. Oh, the, the whole thing just looks fucking ridiculous because they've got oh, the two shit. blokes holding each other and surrounded by pieces of chair. Yeah. It, it did not work, and it's it, it could have just been left out.
1: Yeah, I think it probably could have been left out. Especially, yeah. Once it once it started to Pinker <laughs> didn't need to come out of the chair. Mm. He could have like, yeah. your chair could have like grabbed him by like using the arms yeah, and stuff. To come alive off briefly. the scene or something. Yeah, but, and
0: then he kind of gets out of it and it transforms into Pinker. I, I don't know. Yeah, could have worked better that way. That was the last one for you. Wasn't yeah, it? yeah, because yes. I, I felt the film came came good here. Yeah, well it I did. I but had there was less still
1: issues in the back end. Yeah, there were still some things. Yeah, I, I will backtrack on some of them, but there were okay. still a few. things. Give it to me. Johnny Tesh telling us that Pink has evaded the cops but seems to have mysteriously doubled back. And then the TV goes, click. <laughs> and it's in Alison's place and we think, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's doubled back <laughs> to your place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was if she hadn't have said click, it would have been Tesh pointing at her. <laughs> I think you. he's coming for you. <laughs> it's, oh, yeah, oh. it's just um, that was... Are y- it's one of those things where it's a fine line. You get what they're going for and they're trying to sort of give that impending doom but just a little ease off just a touch. So I think we kind of yeah, we we could still get it without being pointed out that clearly. Hmm. So just a little niggling question that I had, not one of the bigger ones. How is Pinker or Pinker when he's body hopping? Even before that when Jonathan's chasing him on the roof and things like that. How the fuck is a, a bloke with a a fairly pronounced limp who's been, as we find out, has sustained a shot to the knee mm. at some point. How the fuck is he outrunning a star college athlete? athlete? Yeah, that he does <laughs> it pretty pretty well throughout the movie. Manages keeps a to good keep distance up on him. On him. <laughs> yeah. Manages to catch, uh, not catch him, but there is one point where Jonathan says, You're struggling to keep up or whatever, but he's not really. He's still there. He's still in the vicinity. He's within uh, five to 10 meters. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was just a little niggling one. The reveal about Pinker being Jonathan's father. Yeah. Fitting in with the tone, like, did we need it? No. I mean, he killed his family. Like, he, there was already reason for him to- For them to hate, like, for him to want revenge. Yeah, there was already- all That reason was already there. I just don't- I didn't well, really. Did it bring the, anything else to the picture? No. I don't think it did, and it could have done away with a bit of that silly exposition. But oh, this is Jonathan Parker, who was adopted by the family after he was found, you know, beaten half to death, and blah blah blah. Like, I, I just don't. I didn't think it was required
0: because um, it really doesn't add anything to the position. Or doesn't add anything. anything doesn't it, go it comes anywhere. Into
1: is where he, he gives the speech when he's about to be electrocuted. I, the sense that yeah, that which That's was it. which was all right. The sense that I got was that it was. Supposed to be one of the reasons that he was fucking able to dream about him. You see, if you but didn't have that dream, I not care about that. It. Yeah, I didn't care about that anyway.
2: Yeah.
1: The setup to the TV prior to going to the TV again, mm-hmm. which does contain some all right scenes, as you said, the one where the friends come back. Yeah. But again, it's really bloated for a couple of minutes. We go from the satellite to we, we kind of get the sense of where it's going, but we go from that to. Uh, prolonged sort of, it's probably only about 10 minutes in a movie, but it seems to take forever to actually get to him and Pinker in the TV Mm. when you know that's where it's going. So I thought that that could have been, again, could have been streamlined a touch. Yeah, I'd go with that. Um, But, yeah, as you said, once that that sequence gets going, I mean, I love the part where he fucking gets slammed on the table with Johnny Tesh is on the table, he jumps up and stuff. And that, that sort of stuff... Fit with all the commentary too about. And I actually the TV liked the bit the where they violence.
0: came out of the telly into that family's living room,
1: beat the shit out of each other, yeah. smacked crap
0: out of the the father, and then left. They <laughs> and they're the still hell. sitting there eating their popcorn.
1: Yeah, I shit. thought it was
0: cool, That was good. I but it also
1: just, gave like, reason for all the John test stuff prior to that, because hmm. we were sitting there going, "Shit, he's in it a lot." But then when you see that, it's kind of like, "Oh, well, this is the message that they're delivering about some of the violence on the TV and some of the news, and that the insensitive newsman kind of all that sensationalism." And then. It's fucking right on Johnny Johnny Tesh's table. He's involved in it, and you're kind of thinking, "Oh well," Craven's kind of saying that you've got some responsibility with that, like yeah. And you you sort of that that starts to make sense. So uh, yeah, I really did that did, did like that sequence, but we probably could have got it to it just a, a shade, shade quicker. Okay, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. And I believe that was it. Other than Pinker jamming his head in the TV, I thought that was quite Yeah, that,
0: was, that was a little bit comical at the end. It probably wasn't really necessary, but, yeah. I mean, it didn't hurt. To
1: me, it didn't hurt where that things had gone. No, by that by stuff then. was all, yeah, it was all pretty over the top by then anyway. So that's everything? That's it. All right, that was 1989's uh,
0: Shocker. You can find us on Podomatic, iTunes and Spotify. Send us an email at thrillme at iinet.net.au. We're on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia. Potomatic at thrillme.potomatic.com and Instagram at thrillmepodcastau. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and Potomatic and keep an eye on our Facebook page for details of the next film. But until then, take it easy and we'll catch up with everyone later. Cheers find the podcast at Podomatic or on iTunes. Don't forget to rate and review. Like us on Facebook at Thrill Me Podcast Australia or contact us at Thrill Me, all one word, all lowercase, at iinet.net.au.